Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out at our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastchrist.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. So we have a table out here today because if you're here today, this is not a normal Sunday for us. It's going to be a good Sunday. I'm glad you're here, but it's not a normal one for us. It's more about it's kind of some church family business kind of stuff that, and about the vision for the future. So we're going to be talking about that. And uh, we're using uh, the table as kind of a, uh, kind of a, a symbol for what we're going to talk about the next four weeks. And, uh, and because we believe tables are, are uh, actually kind of important. So let me tell you a story real quick. Uh, it's my friend, and, uh, and we were in college, and in the summer, my family just moved to live next door to his family out in the country, and, um, and I'd known him my whole life, uh, but uh, not very well, and uh, we moved next door to him, and in another part of the state we lived in, and and um, we, he and I worked together in the summer. He wasn't a guy who was actually on track in terms of maybe his spiritual life or any part of his life, frankly. And he was really struggling. He was struggling with some substance abuse, other stuff. And we were working together. And one day, he was not a real kind of vulnerable kind of guy. He didn't kind of, you know, just spill his guts about anything. As a matter of fact, kept things pretty close to, uh, to the vest. And, and uh, so one day he said, you know, my family uh, was ruined when my dad um, stopped having dinner with us at the table. And he began to eat dinner at a TV tray uh, in front of the, watching the nightly news. Now, those of you who don't know, we used to get our news from television. And, uh, and so he stopped eating with the family and took his dinner over and watched the nightly news. And my friend, not particularly insightful, I don't think about human condition, not even his own condition, had recognized that his family had changed significantly when that happened. We now know, and we've done some research, uh, as a society we've done research, and I've kind of looked some of it up, and I just want to give you some some statistics. Um, About one in five children uh, eats at least one meal a day in the car. Um, One in four eats fast food every day. Um, That's not true. Every child, the average is a child eats one meal every four days fast food. I think that's what, how, what it means. Um, so the, here's what we also found, is that if a child eats with a family at, at the table um, more often, it, is, uh, it helps with truancy. So if they don't eat meals at the table, more truancy, obesity. But if they eat even five meals, you think, well, five meals is a lot. Well, think of how many meals you got. You got three a day, seven days a week. What's that? Yeah, okay, good. Just seeing if you're awake. Um, so we find that if they begin to do that, they have uh, less likelihood of substance abuse, more likely to do well in school. They feel closer to family. By the way, families in America work 5.5 weeks more than people in France. I'm not lifting up French people as anything other than good cooks, but I'm just saying we work a lot. Where does that time come from? Uh, so as we find five meals a week together with family, um, it, it lower levels of depression, lower levels of eating disorders, better vocabulary for younger children because they're talking to adults, um, communication skills and manner above uh, uh, adolescent children. Um, by the way, it also works on seniors, not vocabulary, but they thrive and live longer if they eat around a table with people they care about. Uh, So here's what we're finding. Uh, That if you're not around a table, um, you're you're jeopardizing your 
maybe even yourself, and probably your family. So did I tell the rest of the story about the thing yet? No, probably not. Okay. Are you paying attention? You still, you still with me? You're good. Oh, wait, what? Uh, yeah, 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 go, go. This is a third service. I've heard this sermon. Yeah. <laughs> I keep hoping we'll get it right, though. <laughs> Here's what happened to my friend. My friend told me this kind of moment of insight in college. Um, a few years later, uh, we no longer lived near each other, and I'd lost touch. I saw a national news story in which his dad had been convicted and sent to prison. I'm not saying that's directly related. I'm just saying that, and my friend's lifelong substance abuse reminded me that that might be more important than we thought. And so today we want to use a symbol of the table about both the actual table and eating around the table and the symbol of what can happen around a table as kind of a talk about what the Christian life is to look like and how it's kind of led us into this understanding of where we believe our church is supposed to go. Yeah, I mean... Life happens around a table. So this morning, um, the, my kids, the first thing that they said was, uh, today after church, we're going to Nana and Papa's house and we're going to have lunch. And they are very excited. They've been looking forward to it all week because um, one of the big things we do, uh, anyway, it's my birthday this week. I don't know if you know that, but it's my birthday this week. That's why we're doing lunch. Anyway. Turn in 50. It's good. Turn in 50. What's that make you, homeboy? <laughs> okay. Very young father. Um, so, so, you know, for them, it's the time that they get to hang out with the whole family. They know that this is what this means is when we gather around the table, everybody is coming together. And so they get really excited about it. And I think it's because um, that is where they get to connect with, with each other, with the whole family. And of course, we should know, um, or, or we should assume that Jesus understood this insight as well. And so I did a little study this week of Jesus and him just sitting around a table with people. And if you go to the gospel of Luke, you have 10 different stories of Jesus sitting around a table, having a meal with people. And they're very diverse groups of people. You have the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. You have prostitutes. You have tax collectors. You have people who are just curious to see who Jesus is. And you have, of course, his disciples. And during all of those different times that they sat around the table, they would learn who Jesus is and what his plan is. So when he sat with the Pharisees, they started to discuss the big questions of life. They started to debate what this is all about. And Jesus revealed not only his wisdom and insight, but God's plan for humanity. You have people who would never be welcome at the table, the sinners, the outcasts. They got to sit with this rabbi and have a meal. And so they would learn that everybody's welcome at the table. You had uh, other people who, um, you think about the disciples, they found out not only who Jesus was and his plan at the Last Supper, but that he came to serve as he washed their feet. So much of Jesus' ministry was done around a table. And, um, and if we look at the church history, we see that after Jesus, he dies, he resurrects, and he ascends into heaven. One of the things that the church does, the early church, immediately after Jesus leaves is they pick up where Jesus left off, which is doing life together around a table. And so if you go into the book of Acts, and if you don't know what that is, that's, um, it's the account of the early church. What happens right after Jesus and what the disciples did? And in Acts 2.42, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so what did the church look like fundamentally? So the church does a lot of things, but what is like the fundamental thing that the church would do? What they would do is they would gather together. The apostles' teaching was what eventually became the scriptures. They would discuss and learn about Jesus, his teaching, and then they would have a meal together and do life with one another around a table. 
And so for hundreds of years, the church met around tables. We didn't have big buildings like this, not even cathedrals. What we had was people's homes. And that's where the gospel was learned. That's where people were able to interact with one another and they're able to experience transformation. They're able to not only hear the gospel message, but experience the gospel message. And that's how it spread from table to table to table. Is that is how this little tiny sect of a religion ended up taking over the entire world because it began at a table. And so as I think about this um, this idea of getting people back to being around a table together, um, it's always been crucial. It's always been important. But as we see the shift in culture and we see that things are beginning to change, and even if you're not a church person here today and um, you don't believe any of this stuff, I think that we could agree that culture has changed pretty dramatically in the last handful of years. Now, you may think it's a really good change, that there were things that needed to happen, and maybe you're right. But the change has been away from historical Christian beliefs and lifestyle in a new direction. Again, you might think that's great, but there is no denying that there has been a pretty profound change. And so if you think about some of the the more hot topics of today, they were things that would have been unimaginable just a handful of years ago have now become the norm. And if you don't agree with them, you're either naive or you're a bigot. So culture's changed. And so if it has changed that dramatically, and it doesn't really align with historical Christian beliefs, um, the rest of the world looks at us who do believe in the faith and say, you guys are different. Maybe a good different, maybe a bad different, but you're definitely different. So we kind of own that around here. We just say, hey, here's what we do. As Christians, we live differently than everybody else does. Our views, are, and we're okay with it. We're unapologetic about it. We're humble and yet confident in that is, hey, we live differently. Our view of marriage and sex and gender and money and priorities and purpose, all those things, the fundamental questions, we probably look at those pretty different than the world around us. And our priorities are different as well. Is when you ask what we do with our money, most of the world is trying to get as much as they can and spend it on themselves. But we see money as something that can be a tool to be used as a ministry opportunity to influence people's lives. You think about our schedules. Our schedules look different. Is as everybody else might be out playing golf right now or just sitting around hanging out on a Sunday morning, we go, hey, we're getting up early and we're going to church because our priorities are different. We use our energy differently too. You're 1045. I don't know if you got up that early. Let's be honest. That was probably more for nine o'clock. But you're here, so that's good. Um, is gathering around a table in that kind of culture is going to be crucial. Because it, it becomes a place where not only you're built up in your faith, and you can be real, and you can share with people, and, and you can experience God's love, because that's what the scripture tells us. The, one of the primary ways you're going to know that God loves you is through his people loving you. And you're not going to know that his people love you unless you're around them. It's also a place of refuge. I've had moments in the last couple of years where I'm watching something that's happening and I go, okay, that seems kind of crazy to me. So am I the one that's crazy or is that thing crazy? And eventually so many people start to believe it that I go, well, maybe I'm off here. Maybe I'm missing something. But then when you gather around a table with other believers and you open up the scriptures and you go, oh, okay, I'm not, okay, I'm not off on this one. There are people who think and live like I do. And it becomes a place of of refuge. It also uh, becomes a place of accountability, of refreshment, of realignment. 
Everything in the world is telling you, you need to head in that direction. Pursue pleasure and money and success. And then Jesus says the exact opposite. And so when you gather around the table, we go, okay, you know what? I got to realign because everything's telling me to go that direction. That's right. I need to head in the other direction. And so gathering around this kind of table um, has always been important to the faith and, and is important now. And the scripture says, this is kind of where we will end up as believers. In the book of Revelation, John, the disciple John, he has all these visions of what's going to happen in the future. And he paints this picture of where we Christians are going to end up. And the picture is of heaven, but the imagery that he uses is of a giant feast, a wedding banquet, sitting at a table for eternity. Now, not sitting at the table, but the imagery is what happens at the table is just a little foresight into what is going to come in eternity that you will connect with God, God and one another. You'll, you'll have joy, you'll have happiness. And so when we do this together, this is just a little taste of what is to come, is this eternal banquet that we get to be a part of. And so it, it becomes for us something that um, we always knew was important, but we never, I guess maybe we didn't prioritize it or we didn't quite understand, it, or maybe we just didn't know what it would look like in, in today's world. And you recently had an experience where it kind of came home for you. Yeah, so we've been talking a lot about how do you get people in relational environments where they can, they can let their guard down, be who, they're, who they are, and aspire to be more, and get help with all of that. And uh, so I, went to a, a, I was invited to a pastor's retreat this summer, and, uh, and we were uh, sitting at a table, kind of like this, only much longer, and uh, there's about 20, 20, maybe 23 guys there. And, uh, and so here's, I was invited because I was an old guy which I didn't appreciate. But, um, and, and so what this retreat center is, it's a, it's a retreat uh, where they just invite young pastors in, uh, young pastors usually of small churches, in to just be encouraged. And, uh, and, and many people had a hard time during COVID. Pastors had a hard time too, really hard, because you couldn't win. Uh, because, uh, you know, if, you, if your church was shut down, how do you do church? Once you got back to church, do you wear masks, not masks? Whatever you choose, people are going to be mad. And, and it's just time during COVID of great anger in our nation. And some have got directed our direction. And, uh, and so pastors have had a hard time, more depression, more re resignations, whatever. Uh, so uh, this retreat is to bring young pastors in for free. It gets funded by private individuals and um, to just encourage them. Uh, but I was not invited to that because I'm not young. And uh, so I was invited to the veterans pastor thing. They called it the old guys retreat, which I, I was very upset about. But anyway, but I went, it was free. So uh, uh, I get there and we sit at the table and we all get our dinner and we sit at the table and the director, the, the, the guy who started the retreat is a veteran pastor. And he says, um, I'm going to tell you guys what I do. He goes, here's what I do. I invite young pastors in and I tell them everything on this retreat center is yours. Do what you want. You can, you can go fishing, uh, you, can, you can ride bikes, you can, and they have all these activities. Huge place, great stuff. He said, or you can take a nap all day. I don't care what you do. It's up to you. It's your time. Do what you want to do. He says, but I want you to come have dinner with us. And, uh, and so uh, at night, we gather around. We have great dinners. They do that. Unbelievable barbecue. And, uh, and did I mention barbecue? Is it, is it kind of, I'm hungry, I think. That's so, how the Surats, that's how we vacation. Ah, they got fishing, they got jogs, hiking, I don't, whatever. They got food, though. So that's kind food. of what we that's do. That's what yeah, matters. Food. That's what counts. So anyway, he says, after dinner, and he, so he's telling us, all us old guys around the table, he's telling us how he does his retreat for younger pastors. And he says, um, and I have a couple of veteran guys, that's, and, and, which is why I was there. I was being recruited to be one of these veteran guys. He says, and so um, 
at dinner, we have dinner, and then after dinner, uh, I just ask guys to answer a question. And we just start with the first guy. Tell us your name and give us your highs and lows in life right now. Say it could be your, it could be your church, your ministry, it could be marriage, your family, whatever. You just, you just, very simple, kind of innocuous, right? He said, here's what happens. He, he says, the first guy says, oh, life's good. My name's so-and-so, life's good. I'm say, second guy, same thing, third guy, maybe. Third or fourth guy will just dump it on the table and just go, my life's awful. I don't think I can go back to work. Or my life, wife is leaving, whatever, and just dumps it on the table. And it just, it's just painful. He says, and they, you know, they talk and affirm the guy and pray for him, whatever. And so the next guy, it happens again. And then every, maybe every one or every other one goes down. It's the same thing. He said, it's crazy. He said, and we just get to care for these guys and love them. And the veteran pastors will then um, connect with these guys and, and they'll do video uh, conferencing with them once a month and just for a year and just to keep up. That's the agenda. And guys, frankly, the reason you're here as veteran pastors, I need some more guys to help me do this. And if you just come in a week, a year, and just hang out with us and, and, and do this with us. That, he said, so that's what we do. He said, so you guys are veterans. We're not going to do that same exercise with you. You know, let's just, just tell your name and, and, you know, kind of where you're at in life. That's all you got to do. And, and then I'll tell you more about what we do here. And, he, and so the first guy goes, it's great. I'm so-and-so. And I do so-and-so. Third guy starts bawling. I'm so-and-so, I'm 72 years old. I just left my church last week. I feel abused. I feel beaten up. I feel taken advantage of. And I don't, I don't know how I'm going to go forward and what I'm going to do next. And he's crying. And we're all kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird, okay. And then, then so, so we pray for this guy and encourage him. Next guy, I just, uh, I just held my four-year-old grandson while he died of a disease that took his sight. Two years ago, I've been caring for him 16 hours a day for the past two years because his father, my son, couldn't do it. And our church just got wiped out in a hurricane and our insurance wasn't what we thought it was. And my wife uh, has been institutionalized for mental illness. Okay. Next guy. Um, my church got closed down. I put my heart and soul into it, got closed down during COVID because we couldn't meet. Not sure what I'm going to do next. Oh, all right. Right down the line. Boom, 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 boom. We only got through half the guys the first night. It's 11 o'clock at night. We've been there since five. We go, okay, well, let's start again tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, same thing. Boom, boom. So I went, after the first night, I went to bed thinking, oh my gosh, these poor guys. This is rough, man. This is rough. Uh, the second night, I began to think, maybe there are more hurting people in the world, even the guys who are supposed to have it all together, <laughs> supposed to have the answers, maybe there are more hurting people in the world than I really understood. And, uh, and so the next night, we sit down, have a great day. We go out fishing, have a great time, which is a weird thing for me to say. I hate fishing, but it was great. And um, sit down at dinner, great barbecue. Barbecue is only one night. First night was a, a boil of some sort, like a country boil. Just so you know, food thing. And um, we're going around the group. And then in the morning, we'd have a speaker. And the speaker was brought in to help us old guys uh, finish well. Finish well. I think I'm not even thinking about finishing, but okay. And, uh, but I was kind of on the younger end of the scale. And, uh, and the, most of the guys were older than me. And... Um, he gets up the first thing in the morning and he goes, by the way, I'm here to help you guys finish well. And by what I've seen so far, about half of you aren't going to finish well. And I'm like, I had a way to ease into it, bud. Uh, that's great. Uh, that night, uh, we got everybody on the group, same kind of stuff, just crazy. Not everybody, but a lot of people. 
And, uh, and he's the next to last to go. And he goes, this morning I told you about half of you aren't going to finish well. I just need to know, um, I wasn't going to tell you this, but I'm, I'm part of that half. And he just blurts out some struggles, some serious life struggles. And, uh, and so it leaves me, I'm the last guy. And I'm thinking, it's late. I'm, I'm emotionally exhausted. These guys have real stuff they're dealing with. So I'm just going to give them a word of encouragement. Hey, guys, my name's Doyle. And, you know, I do this. And, and I just see the guys going through a lot. I just want you to know you're going to make it through. And I try to do a little pep talk, you know, a little rah-rah. And, uh, and so I get done. And, uh, and so I, know, I figure we're done. Let's go to bed. That's exhausting, but good. And, uh, and the leader of the retreat knows me, has known me a really long time. And he goes, hey, Doyle, thanks for sharing that. But uh, why don't you tell us about that one thing that happened during COVID? (laughs) He like called me out, totally called me out. Because there was this issue that we dealt with around here that wasn't our fault. And there wasn't a blooming thing we could do about it. And it was brutal. And and he called me out. And so I told the story. And the most amazing thing happened. And I knew why he called me out. When I got vulnerable enough to tell the stuff that I have been walking through, there was this weird thing that happened. I I can't describe it, but there was this sense in which all of a sudden everybody opened up and because I had opened up and now I was a part of the group. I didn't realize, but I'd only been an observer up until then. But when I told my story and told the truth about me and even what God had done in the process, I was now part of the group. I was on the inside of something and it was the most amazing thing. It was crazy. It was amazing. I realized that um, a lot of us go through life on the outside kind of observing. I do that even sometimes when I go to church. Like if I visit another church, how's the sound system? How are the singers? You know, how's the carpet? And I have to remind myself, I'm not here to observe, Right? A lot of people come to church to observe. Nothing changes when you observe. It's when you tell the truth about you and you acknowledge the truth of how good God is that things begin to change. See, in, in, yeah, in, in this setting, you can face forward and get inspiration maybe and some information, but you want transformation. You want to deal with your deepest issues. You want to become more like Jesus. You want to become the kind of father that his kids not only admire, but turn to when they're in trouble or when they have questions. You want to be the kind of mom that is deeper than just, you know, doing the stuff moms do, but a deepness. You got to kind of get to a table. Can I introduce this video? Is it okay? You introduce it, but I want to do it now. That we have this video, because here's what happens. When you get around a table, when you get around a table. I can go sit in the front row if you want me to. I, I'm enjoying it. This is great. We probably need it. It's probably for you. So when you get around a table and, and you get honest, and it doesn't have to be an actual table, it could be a circle, but in a group of people where you're kind of having to get it out there and be honest about the, the, just that we all have challenges, then God can do some amazing things. It, you introduce the video, please. Now. You sure? Unless we're having barbecue, it's the best, the best thing we're going to do. So this idea is something that we've been wrestling with for a handful of years is... Um, We've always known the importance of the table and how life transformation happens. We just didn't know what it would look like here. You know, it changes over time um, where the table is, the kind of the form that the table takes. And, and so we always knew that we needed it, but we didn't know how. And, and if you know kind of our recent history, we began this rooted thing and that started to unfold and become something that was pretty significant for our church. And, 
And, um, and we're just reminded coming out of COVID how important getting around a table is. And, and what he experienced has been experienced by hundreds of people in our church. And so I was um, invited to a birthday party. Uh, I'll rephrase that. My wife told me I was going to a birthday party. Um, <laughs> And it's from people, it's for a kid that is the same age as our kids and from a people that I don't know, which I thought, I can't think of something better to do on a Friday night than go to a birthday party of a kid I don't know. Uh, let's do this. She says, well, they go to the church and it would be great. So I said, okay, fine. So we go and um, I'm just hanging out and the, the family come and they start talking to me and I just ask them questions. How'd you come to Seacoast? And, and it began telling me my, they begin telling me their story. And um, they're kind of apprehensive about telling me the story. They said, you know, we've only told a few people our story of how we came to Christ and all that. And, and by the end of it, I said, man, that is such a cool story. Can, um, can we share it with like a couple thousand people? And they said, I guess. And so I, I sat down with them and I had them tell their story this last week. And so watch this. I'm Jack McBride, and I started coming to Seacoast Grace April of this year. And I'm Bree McBride, and I've been coming to Seacoast since 2018. I came to Seacoast for mom's group. I had a five-week-old baby, and I was like, I don't know any moms. I need to get back into church. And so I just signed up blind. And the first day I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anybody. I just walked in the room. Of course, it's Becky Omel's fault that I'm here. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, she told me like, okay, you've been going to mom's quite a bit, you know, why don't you go to church? And I was like, well, mom's together is my church. Like it's, you know, every week I, she's like, no, honey, like you got join, at least join a small group Bible study. So she kind of pulled me in and as things progressed, we were doing women's events on the weekends and I was like all of a sudden leading the games for that, which I had done for moms a little bit. And then they just slowly gave me, handed me more and more responsibility. And so... I just kept saying yes and ended up like, okay, I do need to like, this is my church. I'm, you know, I'm doing all these things. Like I need to come. And he just let me go for quite a while and because we had, you know, he had his own Sunday routine. He didn't want to break, which I just never made him come. I just took the boys, checked him in, sat with a friend and her husband. And it wasn't until Rooted when it just was constantly on my heart and I was just praying about it. And I finally got the guts to be like, will you just like join this thing with me at church? It's called Rooted, I don't really know. And he's like, sure. And I was like, okay, no problem. And I like signed up right then. I was like, he can't look back now, I'm dragging him. And, and the first meeting, I'll never forget, he looked at me like, what did you get me into? Because I didn't even know all the commitment that Rooted took. I did not know it was 10 weeks. I did not know there was a sword thing and a fasting and prayer. And I was pretty intimidated myself. But our Rooted group, became family very quickly. Within a few weeks, we were just like, yep, these are our people. And I think that's been a huge part of him feeling comfortable. And I mean, me too, feeling comfortable being vulnerable and asking all the hard questions and going through the, the roller coaster of emotions about your past and and honestly, like the hesitations of our future. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I, I haven't, I'm a very private person. I don't share my story a lot. And so when we decided to do Rooted, you know, the first week I was like, okay, this is gonna be intense. And I thought like, dude, you're here. You just gotta, you gotta go for it. Um, for the first time though, I tell a testimony, not just a story about what happened to me, but, and then the full story, just decided to lay, I was gonna lay it all out there. It was gonna be raw. And, real and be brutally honest. My whole life growing up, my family, 
was seen in the community as a, a very strong family. My dad was in law enforcement. Um, we were very moral people, and, um, and me personally, I was very prideful about that. Um, and our parents are, you know, everybody knew that was, you know, my parents, and they're together, and um, they split up when I was 19. That was the first thing, is, you know, they told me they'd never get divorced, well, that was a lie. And so that was, that was hard. Um, and uh, so a year after that, I played baseball in college, and I'm in a collegiate summer league in Hawaii. You know, what, how cool is that? And um, I, uh, I walked into a situation where a robber was, uh, was stealing some beer and was in a fight with a, the manager of the store and was beating him pretty bad. And the manager was crying for help, so I jumped in. And in the course of that whole altercation, um, the guy that was stealing the beer died. And, um, and I was blamed for it. The manager luckily said I saved his life. And um, Hawaii has a good Samaritan law, so because of that, I wasn't criminally charged. But um, I had a lawsuit on my hands at uh, 20 years old. And then, you know, a week later, I turned 21. I have a license to forget about all my problems. And that's what I did for a long time. You know, and I knew what I should be doing. I should be asking God for help. And instead, I just said, you know, why this happened? You know, what did I do to deserve that? And, and the fact that somebody said I saved his life, it, it didn't change the way I felt at all. You know, I just uh, thought, I'm going to fix myself first, and then maybe I'll go back to God. Um, that was never going to work. Um, so it was just on my mind about raising our boys, and I wanted them to be in church and wanted to be the spiritual leader that, uh, that I know I need to be. So she asked, and, um, and I just said, that must be it. I said yes, and it was amazing. And now we're doing 2.0, and that's even better. And to see their reaction and the, some of their feedback I got, and, um, and my stuff maybe might be a little unique, but uh, everybody's got their pain sometimes. You know, it's, it's to make you the, a better person down the road, which I believe I am today. You know, if, you know, if my parents hadn't gotten divorced, you know, I, I'm, I won't say I'm a great husband, but I'd be a worse one. It just gave me perspective. That is a possibility. I, I can't just sit back and assume that divorce isn't a possibility. Um, you know, if it hadn't been for that other situation, I probably could have found myself in a lot worse ones, not knowing what the true repercussions were of, of getting involved in something like that. And now I'm just a lot stronger person. I luckily made it through the fire, and luckily the only thing that made me, got me through that fire was a very faithful wife who stuck by me by God's grace. I don't know how, and a very faithful God. So with stories like that and dozens of others, literally, you're going to see one each week this month, um, we really feel uh, an urgency about making sure there's a place for people to meet. We started uh, remodeling the uh, CLC uh, and then COVID hit and that got stopped and uh, we're ready to get back at it. And God's uh, provided some amazing things along the way. So I'm going to ask the officers to come and hand these out. We have a little booklet for you. They'd come and just hand these out. And uh, it's just a booklet about what we're going to do. And uh, then Cody has a little twist. He's going to share with you about it. Uh, when you get the booklet, you'll find uh, some, uh, some ways to give and that kind of stuff. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Uh, but there's some, uh, some um, 
graphics in there about pictures, if you will, about how uh, it's going to look and what it's going to be. There's going to be meeting space for a thousand people in that building. So you can hear more stories. We can have more uh, uh, life change like the one you just saw on the screens. We feel like it's super urgent. We, during uh, COVID or after COVID uh, in America, 50% of people didn't come back to church after COVID, 50%. And we realize the Bible warns a lot about being blown back and forth by changing philosophies in your culture or fashionable sins is another passage. We realize that rooted was not just a name. It's what needs to happen to people. If uh, 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 if a, a, a pandemic can throw so many people off their spiritual path, we need to make sure people are rooted in their faith, in their relationship with other people, their relationship with God. And so we are doubling down on our efforts to, to help people have a space to do that. And so um, I'll, I'll come back in a moment and talk about the giving part of it. And, uh, and I'm going to let Cody first talk about kind of the surprise that happened to us. <laughs> yeah. So we were, we, you know, for the last few years, like I said, we've been trying to figure out what does it look like to gather people around the table. And we stumbled across Rooted and it changed our church. And, and in 2019, we began this project of building a building that is full of tables, that is just places for people to gather and do life together. And um, as we went through 2020, there was a little bit of a, a hiccup. Um, you guys were probably there, remember it. Uh, COVID happened. And we weren't really sure, God, is this still what we're supposed to do? Like, we think we, you've called us to it, but we can't even meet on our church campus. And now we're building another building for people that, are we ever even coming back? And, and God started to do some pretty miraculous things along the way. Um, he started to provide different people that came and not only affirmed what we were doing, but said we wanted to be a part of it. So we got lots of cool stories about that. I had one where um, in our rooted group, there was an architect and he just moved down here from LA and he introduced himself and he says, I'm an architect and I want to help out. And I'm like, oh, cool. Not just any architect would design like five-star hotels kind of architect. And he goes, uh, I want to design it and I'll do it for free. And I said, you are the right person at the right price, my friend. And so he, uh, he jumped in and, and, and designed this incredible facility. And so our plan had always been to come back at a, a second phase and to go and finish it. And um, as we were doing that and, and COVID hit, there was a big twist in this that we did not expect to see is if you're a parent, you know this firsthand, but we started to get exposed to what was happening within our kids' classrooms, and it wasn't all pretty. And it wasn't, you know, we, we have so many teachers and um, principals and school board members at this church, and I went and I started to talk to them. And I said, hey, what can we do to, to help change what we're seeing? We're not liking what we see as far as culturally what's taking place and some of the things that our, our kids are having to experience and be taught. And one after another, and it was probably six months of meetings, one after another said, we agree, but we don't, there's nothing we can do. Our hands are tied. And so we began praying. And as we were praying about what our involvement should be, um, I probably got a phone call a day for many months of parents saying, we don't like what's happening. We're really concerned. Um, what can our church do to help support us as we raise these kids in a really you know, difficult space? And we didn't know. And so we just started to, you know, throw some ideas out. Maybe we can do an after-school program, or maybe we can do some kind of homeschool program, or maybe we can, and as we went through that process, and we began meeting with even more people to discuss it, um, the, the, the vision of what needed to happen kind of became more clear, but I got to be honest, it was pretty daunting. And so I said, okay, God, 
if we're going to go where I think you're calling us, you're going to have to open up all the doors because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. This is crazy. And I had this moment in which it dawned on me, and it's so simple and so obvious looking back on it, but I thought, is it a coincidence that we're experiencing this and we're building a building full of classrooms? And so as I, uh, as I kind of waited for God to answer, and I just put it on the back burner, it was actually during VBS week here. Um, I was sitting in the very back. I love watching their um, worship time because it's a thousand kids in here and they're just, they're going crazy. And so it's just, it's great watching them. And one of my friends was here volunteering and he's uh, been a school teacher for almost 20 years, him and his wife. And he was helping lead some of the VBS stuff. And he texts me and he goes, hey, what's the deal with that school idea that you had? Are you guys still thinking about pursuing it? And I said, nah, not really. We put it on the back burner. I'm just waiting for God to bring the right people to, to help lead that. And he texts me back and he says, I've never had this experience, but God just spoke to me and I'm supposed to do it. I'm supposed to be the one that helps you start that school. And so I said, let's have coffee after this and talk about this. And so we began talking about it and he's like, I am terrified right now. I don't even know what I just said to you. I haven't even said it to my wife yet. And I'm like, okay, we got, you can probably just talk to her too. <laughs> like, and so she hears and she's like, what? You're, you know, we have three kids, we have a mortgage. You're gonna just up and quit your job to go start the school. And, and so we began walking through that process with them. And um, it became more and more clear that as we were walking through it, that God was calling us to start a school here. And so that's what we're going to do. Is, uh, in the fall of next year, we're going to start a K through sixth grade. And um, the response has been that right there. Every time we've told people, we've had meetings, we've met with people, it's been an overwhelming response. And, and it's not like you know, and we've said this multiple times, we're not saying teachers are bad. We're not saying any of that. Every teacher that has said, they said, oh yes, we want to support you in that. How can we do that? Because here's the deal is I think a lot of us, um, especially parents and grandparents, we looked at what was happening and we were awoken to some realities of how culture has changed probably since we were kids. And we went, Ooh, I don't really like that. And then the next step was, well, okay, we don't want it. We don't want that. What do we want? And we began dreaming about, okay, if we've got these kids for eight hours a day, and they're not just in a place that doesn't just disagree, but they're in a place that affirms their faith and builds them up to become fully devoted disciples of Jesus. Like when they come out of this process, they know more about the Bible, they know more about their faith, they know apologetics. I mean, that stuff really fires me up. And I thought, you know, I was a youth pastor for a long time, and a lot of those kids just, they walked away. I thought, we've we got to do something different. And so it became very clear and has become very clear that God is calling us to do this school. And so um, that's kind of a big twist in our story so far. So here's what, here's what we're telling you. We want you to do three things. We want you to pray with us. Just pray. Pray not only that God will guide us. We feel pretty strongly we have really clear direction for the next kind of part and season of our ministry here. Um, we want you to pray uh, about you and this church. Is this your church? Is this a vision you can get behind? Is this something you believe in? And if you come to, the, to be able to, some of you can affirm it right now, you know that. Some of you need to pray about it. And if you can't get behind it, then find a church you can get behind. Nobody needs to go to a church that they're not, they don't believe in. So get behind it. And then what does God have you do? We need to raise $5 million in the next three years. $5 million. You're thinking, wow, that's a lot of money. It's pretty doable. God's got all the money he needs. It just happens to be in your bank account and mine. 
And so we just need to move it. That's all needs to happen, all right? And uh, so here's what generally happens to these. I've been through, I don't know, six or eight of these. I, once the vision is there, once I understand what the point of this thing is, the giving part's not so hard. I usually pray, God, what do you want me to give? And almost always God says, I want you to give a little more than you're comfortable with. You know, you're going to stretch. You're going to sacrifice a little bit because it has to have, because here's what the giving part is about you, for you. It's not about the money. It's about your character and your generosity. And so what will happen with you is you kind of lean into this and you sacrifice a bit. You're going to find that God will give you more than you ever gave. I just believe that it's been true in my life. But here's what will happen is my heart will grow. My capacity for generosity will grow. And so we believe that, and I've been through a bunch of these kind of deals, these fundraisers. I, I believe that these are some of the greatest times of spiritual development. Because here's what's happening. You get in front of God and you go, God, uh, is this a church, my church? I kind of think it is. And, and you kind of feel, yeah, it probably isn't. Then what should I do? And then you're going to go, I should do this. And you're going to think, is that really what I should do? And then you're going to talk to God. You really want me to do more? Because I'm not trying. And you're going to have this great conversation with God. And you're going to grow. And so that's what we want you to do. We've even got a little booklet. I think we're out of booklets, but they got some extras printed out. We'll have more booklets next week. We have a little booklet you can follow every day for the next month. And, uh, and we, have a, uh, we also have a, uh, an information meeting on the, on the 5th, 6th, 5th, 6th, I think it is, Saturday night, the 5th. And then after the service on the 6th, we can ask questions and look at some pictures. And Cody and I will do a little further presentation. We'll talk about this a little bit over the weeks to come. Uh, but I just want you to pray about it because... Churches, here's the deal, uh, the inside scoop. Churches rarely last, evangelical churches rarely last more than one generation. And we're pretty convinced that God has called us to stick around for more than one generation. And as we kind of have, have prayed about that and felt strongly that that's the case, we begin to ask God, what is it we need to do to continue to be effective for the next run, for the next 20, 30 years? And this is it. This is where we need to start. And so we're just asking you to vote yes and join us. And then pray. What does God want you to do? That's all we're asking. In uh, the second weekend of November, we're going to take pledges. It's a three-year deal. You can give. I'm going to give monthly over the next three years. Some of you can just cut a check and, and do it right off the bat, whatever works for you. But um, on the second weekend of November, we're going to have a big celebration. We're going to bring our, our, our pledges and our, and, our, and our giving, and we're going to celebrate it. And we're going to thank God. And we're going to dedicate it to him. And we're going to have a great time. And between now and then, we're going to talk about some table issues. How to improve your table game. That's what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. So did I leave anything out? Is that good? Yeah? You want some barbecue? Good. <laughs> Let's stand and pray. <laughs> Lord God, I thank you for the privilege of being not only in relationship with you, but being a part of what you're doing in the world, seeing lives change like the story we just heard today. And Lord, I just pray right now that if there's anyone in this room who is enslaved by something that happened in their past, whether it was something they did or was done to them or some other way, they've been enslaved by that. They've struggled with it. Lord, I pray that they, like the story we saw today, would be released from that. That in this moment right now, you would give them the courage to acknowledge that that's happening, that they're held back by it, and to give it to you for, for your forgiveness, for your healing. Lord, I pray that they'll have the courage to get around a table soon with some other folks and get it out in the open and get healing and hope. Lord God, for this upcoming project, this building the building, this starting the school, this future that you have led us to, we just thank you for the privilege of being involved in what you're doing in the world. And Lord God, help us sincerely seek you and do whatever it is you tell us to do. No more and no less. And Lord God, as we do that, I believe you'll provide the resources we need. But more importantly, you will grow us. You will help us to be more like Jesus, more generous of heart, more caring about the world we live in. And Lord God, we just thank you for what's going to happen. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you guys for being here. Stop and get a Bible study on the way out. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.